Hey, glad you're here. Uh, my name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors. I'm about the fourth tallest person in the room. Um, I'm uh, falling farther and farther behind on that. I think it's I'm to that age where I'm shrinking. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I've asked Pat Regan to help me with an illustration this morning. So if you want to go ahead and take your, take your place. Okay. Um, uh, he's going he's gonna to be shooting at this target here in just a moment. And uh, if some of you are wondering if I'm nervous being up here on stage with Pat shooting an arrow, I just want to say no. But I am nervous that my new boss is here. And uh, <laughs> so on cue, if you could laugh or say amen, that would really, uh, no. Um, okay, so uh, I'll just tell you right now, um, illustrations are only as good as the point that they make and the point that you remember. So I, if you want to walk out of this service and say, hey, you know, we had this guy shooting arrows in our church service, okay, but I, I really want you to know why we're doing that, and I'll get, I'll get to it. Um, and uh, so first of all, we need someone that's going to hold the target. Okay, just kidding. All right, how many of you are interested in seeing, a couple of you volunteered, or no, you volunteered your husband. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So um, how many of you are interested in seeing how uh, close he gets to the bullseye? All right. Okay. Go for it. It's all you. <laughs> Look at that. All right. Okay. <laughs> Goodness sakes. What are you parents feeding these people? All right. All right. So I want to jump straight to the point that I'm going to make. He's going to shoot another arrow or two. Um, What I want to talk about today is I want to describe how to hit what you're aiming for in life. Now, you may have something consciously. It's at the forefront of your mind. Every day you're thinking, this is what I'm aiming for. And it could be vocationally. It could be in your family life. Um, it could be just for your own transformation and growth. And it's less, you know, it might be something that you want to do, or it could be, this is the person that I'm aiming to become. Um, these are the people that I want to influence as I become this person, as I do these things, these are the people that I hope, um, are blessed by it. You have something that you're aiming for. Maybe it is on that conscious level. Maybe it's a little bit more on the subconscious. But you really, you wake up and you are driven every day heading somewhere. And so it's probably good if we do this more on a conscious level. So what I want to talk about today is um, I just want to describe, I want us to see, and we're going to learn from the scriptures what it takes for us to hit what we're aiming for. Um, it's one thing to say, okay, this is the bullseye that we want to hit, but, uh, but how do we do that? And uh, so naturally, we were all kind of staring at the bullseye. And if we're going to hit there, what I want you to pay attention to is what takes place here. Okay? So go ahead, second shot. You can look at the bullseye later, but I want you to, to watch Pat. There we go. So, um, thank you. Thank you, Patness. Get it, get it, Katniss, Patness. Oh, that's funny. All right. Okay. Um, 
So, so in other words, to, to do that, to hit this target, you have to do certain things here, okay? And I don't want to dumb this down too much. I am not an archer by any means, but it seems like a big part of it is pulling back and uh, eventually letting go is a part of it. And I know um, that breathing is important, and I know this because I've watched all the Hunger Games movies. And uh, <laughs> Now, um, so Pat, let me ask you a question. Um, uh, how uh, You're familiar with the term bow weight, okay? Bow weight does not mean how much does that bow weigh. How would you describe what bow weight is? Okay, so it's, it's the pressure, the force that you have to use to pull, to pull back, okay? Um, now, there's kind of a standard measurement that is used for bows in, in that to measure that bow weight, and it's roughly about 28 inches. So the amount of, of weight pulling back that's required to pull that back 28 inches is kind of what the, where they would measure um, the bow weight. So I have a question for you. Have you, um, like if you were hunting or something like that, which um, I think in California we, we don't do uh, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but uh, so have you ever had an instance where you, you pulled back, but you kind of rushed the shot and you didn't pull back at full draw? You missed it. Okay. Now, um, uh, this is a big question here. I'm not sure what the answer is. What happens if you don't pull back at all? If you just want to, sh- you want to show us, yeah, yeah, show me what happens if you don't. Yeah, okay, <laughs> pretty much that. Okay, so, um, so I, what I want, I want one more shot. Um, do you have a? Okay, yeah, get that one again. Um, one more shot, and and uh, bow weight, like we said, is a is pulling back twenty eight inches. Now, full draw is going to vary from person to person, um, and also depending on the bow as well. So it may not be twenty eight inches here, but I want you to pay attention if you can to uh, to full draw before he releases it. Awesome. Ooh, that was really tight. Thank you. You can have a seat. Yeah. I told him that um, I'd buy him Starbucks for a year if he split the arrow. That would be, yeah. So this is, this is the big point that I want you to get in this. And, and when, he, when he drew it back, he pulls back. And in pulling back, he gathers energy. He gathers energy. Without pulling back, he doesn't have the energy necessary. The arrow doesn't have the energy necessary. So in other words, if you're going to hit that, you've got to pay attention to what happens here. And what happens here is we pull back and we gather energy. In life, in that career, in that relationship, um, as we as a church start to take some steps in identifying the target, what we're aiming at, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but have you ever considered that you need to pull back and withdraw away from your target in order to make the most of it? You ever thought about that? You get your sights on something and you actually have to pull back 180 degrees away from where you would like to go. 
Now, a lot of times we charge into a new season of life, whether it's a new year or just a new chapter of life, and we have in our mind what we're going to aim for, and we're thinking, okay, nothing's going to hold me back. I'm going all out this time. This is, this is it. Nothing's going to distract me. Nothing's going to slow me down. I'm going, going, going. And that's kind of what our culture says. But the Bible teaches us something different. The Bible says in order to gather energy, we have to pull back. And we have an amazing example of this in the life of Jesus. So I'm going to look at, uh, we are going to look at a few verses. They're going to come up on the screens. But can we agree, if you um, have, have read the Bible much and know uh, a, a little bit about Jesus' life, can we agree that Jesus hit the target? Okay. Um, we are going to, uh, near the conclusion of our service, we're going to celebrate the fact that his target of the cross was something that, um, this was something that he aimed for and his life funneled him towards and he did. But even, even not just on this grander scale, can we agree that almost like in a day by day basis, every time Jesus hit the target? Because we read about these moments that, that occupied Jesus' life, especially in those ministry years. And it was, it was Jesus hitting the target every time, whether he was healing the broken, trodden, providing bread for the hungry, surprising wedding guests with an unexpected blessing, befriending outcasts, welcoming the oppressed, saving sinners. Jesus did it every time. He hit the bullseye. So how did he do that? In other words, to do that... What did Jesus do? How did he do it? And I, I know most of you are like, um, he was Jesus. <laughs> and yes, he was. <laughs> Jesus was fully God. And the scriptures outline for us too that he was also fully human. He was fully man. And being fully man, he submitted himself to all the human limitations and challenges that we face when we're trying to hit the target. So the question is maybe a little bit more than how did Jesus do it, but how did Jesus, the fully human with all of our limitations and challenges, how did that Jesus hit the target? And the answer is that Jesus pulled back. Jesus pulled back and gathered energy. And let's look at a few of these verses. You can try and uh, keep up with me or just kind of follow them here on the screen. In John chapter 6, there is tremendous momentum in this stage of Jesus' ministry. I mean, things are really going good. His popularity scores are off the chart. And then we read this. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So in the midst of all of this great momentum and seeing awesome results in his ministry work, Jesus perceived that the people were aiming at the wrong target. Said, hey, yeah, king, but not that kind of king. Luke 9, uh, the disciples themselves are kind of on a roll. They have just had an amazing kind of mission ministry experience. Luke 9, 10, on their return, the apostles told him all they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So imagine how good this must have felt for their, for the disciples. I mean, they are excited. They're like, whoa. This worked. You know, what, what we've been called to do, we're, with God's help, we're able to do this. And Jesus says, man, that is beautiful. I'm so excited for you. But before you pull another arrow out of the quiver, let's, let's pull back. 
In Matthew 14, um, Jesus is mourning the loss of John the Baptist, his forerunner, his cousin. Now, when Jesus heard this, the beheading of John the Baptist, Jesus withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So naturally, this tragic event took a lot out of him. Remember, he's, he's fully human. Um, huge losses take a lot out of us, don't they? That's for any of us. So exhausted and drained, I can only imagine, Jesus pulls back. And he does this because he needs, he knows he needs to gather the energy for the days ahead. In Luke 6, um, this is when he is about to make a major decision. So if you find yourself, whether it's at a fork in the road or you've got some, some big decision um, that you are weighing, see what Jesus did. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. In other words, he withdrew from the crowds and found this desolate place again. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named the apostles. So Jesus regularly withdrew. To do what Jesus did, we've got to live like Jesus lived. And this is including these regular rhythms of pulling back. I don't know what you're aiming for this year and life later on today. What does this mean to pull back? And I want us to think through this. And there's three things in particular that I want to highlight. Three things that we have to do if we intend to have the energy we need to hit the target. To hit what we're aiming for. So how do we pull back and gather energy? How do we pull back and gather energy? Number one, we breathe and we remember that Jesus loves us. And this was more than just something I've learned by watching a Hunger Games movie that it's important to breathe. Um, breathing, we see from the very beginning of Scripture, it's been talked about up here by different people at different times in recent months. That was how God initiated life. He formed Adam from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. I don't know about you, but breathing is not something that I just do once. It's something that I'm continually doing if I intend to be a living creature. Okay? And I want us to see that this was more than just physical life. He was animated like the vitality. This is what was taking place. And what I want us to see is this is important. As we pull back, we are breathing, we are returning to the source of our very breath and life, creator God. And when I pull back in a position to hear um, from God, the deepest truth I think we can hear is Jesus loves me. Now, that may not sound as big and grandiose as what you were thinking or as deep as you think it would be. Maybe that seems a little too Sunday schoolish, and maybe that's kind of a letdown. But I'm telling you, there is not a more powerful thing for you to hear when you pull back than Jesus loves me. Imagine how different life would be if you were constantly reminding yourself, Jesus loves me. How would that next conversation go? That next decision, that next opportunity. How different would the second half of your day at work be if during your lunch break 
you paused, you pulled back just to breathe. Just remember Jesus loves me. And as Sunday schoolish as that sounds, I think we will be spending all of eternity plumbing the depths of this beautiful truth that Jesus loves us. It is amazing. Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 13, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Look at what he does here for his, for his close friends, the disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It didn't fade. It didn't stop. Second Thessalonians 2, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have this eternal life. Revelation 1, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Pulling back. This is something you can do at any time. It's not when you get all your chores done. It's not when everything else is done. Then you can pull back and just in a breath say, Jesus loves me. Now I want you to see this is something you can do all throughout your day. You know, I've, I've talked to others about this. And, and sometimes... Um, as we grow and mature in our faith, sometimes our prayers grow shorter and shorter and shorter just because we find sometimes that's, that's enough. That gives voice to what's in our heart. And God's not impressed with a whole big, long, flowery prayer. All throughout the day, as you're driving to work, when the pressure's on, when you, uh, when you get back home and you're tired, you can constantly be breathing this prayer, Jesus loves me. And as that filters deep into your soul, when you pull back, it will change the trajectory of your life and the impact you have on others around you. How strong and healthy and beautiful would your life be if you were regularly breathing in, Jesus loves me. How courageously would you live if you made every decision based on Jesus' love for you? You are so convinced that he loves you, that he has your good in mind, that he loves the world around you, and he is constantly working for the good out of a love for you. We gather energy as we pull back, and we remember his love for us. Number two, we pull back and we take aim. This is when we discern God's will, God's chosen target. We pull back to consider the God-ordained trajectory of life. And we do this with an understanding, again, that he loves us. So with, with this belief, this deep-seated belief that he loves us, out of his love for us, what is he calling us to aim at in life? 
Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is what we are aiming for. We realize God created us to do good works. He prepared in advance for us to do these good works. And we realize that these good works he's called us to do, yes, they are rooted in his love for us. But when we pull back and we take aim, we're also kind of taking a moment to discern our own motives. Why am I aiming at that? Maybe that's a good target. Maybe that's a great target. Why? What is really compelling me to want to hit that particular target? Maybe you're thinking, wow, I mean, God's called me to love everyone. And you kind of pull back and think, my goodness, there's so many targets. Which one do I aim at? It's when we pull back and we give God an opportunity to to bless us with the gift of discernment. This is the person I'm going to bring in your life today that I want you to show my love towards. Maybe when we pull back, we're taking aim. And as we take aim, we are kind of asking ourselves, what's going to be required of me if I'm going to hit that? In other words, as Jesus said, we count the cost. We're breathing. Jesus loves us. And we're taking aim. And we're kind of narrowing our focus. And then third, we let go. We trust God with the results. This is where it gets exciting. And this is maybe the hardest step. There are people in this room that are ready, fire, aim, okay? And then there are others of us that are kind of like ready, aim, 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 aim. I just want to make sure. Aim, aim. But this is where it gets really exciting when we let go and we begin to see what only God can do. When Pat let go of that arrow, and it is traveling at nano light speed, whatever it was, <laughs> once, once he lets it go, he has no control over it. Now, if we were outside, there could be a, a variety of external circumstances that could impact the trajectory of that arrow, the wind being one of the more obvious ones. But his responsibility is to let go and in life, as we let go, we are trusting, well, we are acknowledging, yeah, there's, there's a lot of external influences. This could go a lot of different directions. I mean, hey, we're, we're working with people, right? We just don't know. We can't predict exactly. Even though this is what we're aiming for, we don't know. But we let go and we trust that God is in control. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That phrase, be still, can also be translated as relax or let go. Relax, let go, and know that I am God. In other words, until we let go and relax, we're not going to really know this certain aspect of God. It's in the letting go. When we take our hands off, literally, figuratively, when we let him control it, I know our tendency is we let go and then we're trying to catch the arrow real quick. We let go 
And in letting go, we will get to know more about God as we let him control some things. There was a, uh, this is a journal entry from a, a few years ago. As I was re- reflecting on be still and know that I am God. Stillness is vital if I am to live a life of love that overflows onto others. Last night, as the waitress refilled my water glass at dinner, it was very helpful to her and to me that my glass was still. I didn't make the waitress chase the moving glass as it slithered around the tabletop, sometimes pushing it towards her and other times pulling it back. No, this is what I did. I set the glass down in her presence, and I let go. We grow still, and we are filled. We pull back, and we gather energy. We do this by letting go. And I want to give one more example from the life of Jesus and see if you can kind of pick out where Jesus was reminding himself of the Father's love for him. That was kind of his breath. And I want you to look and see how, God, how, how Jesus was talking to the Father and making sure his aim was right and then how he let go and yielded to the Father's will. And at this point in Luke 22, Jesus is wrestling with a very, very difficult calling, a very difficult will for him to live out, the will of his father. This is the night before he is um, arrested, which began a series of, of events from the trial to the beatings to the crucifixion. And we read this, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 41, and Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Did you catch this? Jesus has taken aim at the cross, and in spite of the many ways he could have dictated a different outcome, and who would blame him? Jesus let go. And letting go, he yielded to his Father's will. When we find ourselves on our knees facing what seems to be an unreachable and maybe even unenviable target, we can only let go if we have a deep trust that God is good and that he loves us. Jesus in the garden, Jesus let go and trusted the love of his Father. I'm going to ask Jason to come up and uh, to the piano, and we're going to kind of direct our focus to this time of communion. And I want, uh, I, hopefully, what the verses and this thought of Jesus in the garden, this picture, will help us digest this powerful moment that we are about to experience in communion. When we partake of communion, we remember We visualize, we see it, and we taste that Jesus loves us. Now, when the uh, the elements are passed in just a moment, when you receive the wafer and the cup, the the bread and the juice, um, I want to encourage you to hold them in your hands at least long enough to take a few deep breaths and just pray this prayer of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. And as you look at that wafer and that cup, maybe you'll feel led to say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me this much. 
Thank you for loving me this much that you offered your body to be beaten, stripped bare, and pierced. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me this much, holding that cup. You loved me so much that your blood was shed and poured out for the forgiveness of my sins. So let's take just a moment and breathe. Will you bow your heads with me? And maybe just begin now, just that real simple prayer. Jesus loves me. So if God was going to breathe life into you, I believe these are the words he would use. Jesus loves you. And when you say Jesus loves me, this isn't a proud declaration. You are simply praying from a full and grateful heart. You are wowed and you'd be speechless if it wasn't for those three words, Jesus loves me. Heavenly Father, we, um, in this moment, are pulling back. Open our ears to hear you say, you love us. Jesus, we thank you that when you pulled back in the garden, Thank you for trusting in the Father's love for you. Thank you for letting go and offering your life selflessly, completely for us. Jesus, it's with love in our hearts that we receive these elements. We love you. Thank you for first loving us.